It's time to talk San Diego Padres. This is Inside San Diego Baseball from 97.3 The Fan and the Padres Radio Network. Here's Sam Levitt. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Inside San Diego Baseball. Sam Levitt here at the Manchester Grand Hyatt in San Diego, where the 2022 MLB Winter Meetings are underway. It's been a busy Monday here at the Winter Meetings. I do want to tell you I am recording this exactly at 626 p.m. Pacific time because you never know what's going to happen here at the Winter Meetings. Uh, if anything crazy happens, any uh, additional signings, so I just want to tell you it is 6.26 p.m. You never know. By the time this goes up in a couple of hours, we might have major Padres news, but uh, this is where we're at right now at 6.26 p.m. Two big pieces of news today. Justin Verlander reportedly going to the Mets on a two-year $86 million deal. Uh, at least for the Padres, he's not going to the Dodgers or something like that, instead going to the NL East. The other big piece of news, Trey Turner reportedly going to the Phillies on an 11-year, $300 million deal. We know the Padres did have talks with Trey Turner, but he is reportedly going to the Phillies. Again, I, I guess the good piece of news for the Padres is that he's out of the NL West. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, the Padres, we know, have been linked to Xander Bogarts. See if there's anything that happens there in the next couple of days. But uh, Trey Turner, it appears, will not be a San Diego Padre. We've got a couple of really good conversations coming up here on this podcast. I caught up with the great Padres radio voice, Jesse Agler, here at the winter meetings earlier today. You'll hear that conversation in just a bit. I also talked with Astros TV analyst Jeff Blum about Yuli Gurriel, who the Padres reportedly have shown some interest in. We talk about... Uh, a number of other topics as well. So those two conversations are coming up. A.J. Preller also spoke with the media about an hour and a half ago. Uh, I want to play you some of the, the uh, sound bites from that A.J. Preller press conference. So we're going to do it kind of like we do on my uh, pregame show on the radio side of things on the Padres Radio Network a lot where I'll uh, kind of set up the sound bites and then you'll hear A.J. Preller. So let's begin with that. A.J. Preller, Padres president of baseball operations, speaking with the media just a little while ago. All right, first here was A.J. Preller on that reported Trey Turner deal earlier today. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, uh, you know, probably hoping he went to the American League. Um, you know, we, we've had to see him up close here the last couple of years. He's, he's, he's uh, obviously a tremendous player and, you know, going, uh, stay in the National League and, and going to a team that just uh, just represented the National League in the World Series. Um, you know, probably we're probably hoping uh, hoping he was heading elsewhere. But um, yeah, we we did. I think it was reported. We, we you know talking to him. We we did have a conversation with him, and he's a unique player. So I, I think from that standpoint, we uh, you know we, we we at least you you at least want to entertain that. You know, somebody that's unique that's on the free agent market that doesn't happen that often. Um, you know, and and ultimately, uh, you know, I think uh, you know him lining up and signing with another club. I think we just we just hope maybe that was in the other league, honestly. Here was Preller on if the Padres were ever close to a deal with Trey Turner. I don't know. I mean, you never really know. I think the way we try to do is just you know do our homework. You know, like we we don't really focus too much on what 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 other teams are because you don't know what's going on in the market really ever. So I think from our standpoint, we just try to say, hey, this is the value we put on a player, and you know, you know, at some point in time. You know, you look at it like, hey, this is what we'd be willing to, to, to spend on a player, sometimes offer a contract, sometimes not. Sometimes it's just honestly getting to know and see if the fit works. And, you know, you never really know, like, how close you are to lining up, um, you know, on anything, honestly. And here was A.J. Preller on what position the Padres pitched Trey Turner on playing if he indeed did come to San Diego. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think again, like, like we talked about, I think the, you know, the, 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 our roster in general, like we, you know, there's a lot of different possibilities. I think, uh, you know, I think at least with, uh, you know, I think with Trey, he's a, he's a player too himself that he's obviously plays shortstop, but he's also shown the ability to play different spots. And, you know, I think that was part of, uh, that was part of the conversation. Here was Preller with an update on Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah, he's in communication every day with our with our training staff, either in person here in San Diego, or we've given you know he's he's gone home for a little bit too in the Dominican to spend some time with his family and, and stay on his program. Uh, he's been he's been very responsive to everything. He's you know again it's it's early in the process for him from you know, the recovery from the shoulder and the wrist so far that's gone well. Um, talked to him the other day, um, you know, and uh, yeah, I think he's excited to kind of like get the the next uh, the next check checkup, um, you know, from from both a wrist and shoulder standpoint, and start doing some baseball activity. And but so far, he's on schedule, and, and things are going well. I should add that later in the presser, it did sound like the target for Tatis's return to baseball activity is early January. Here was AJ Preller when asked if there have been conversations with Jerks and Profar, Brandon Drury, and Josh Bell so far. Yeah, we've had conversations on all, uh, really on all the, all of our guys here in the last you know in the last uh, few days. You know, I think getting to the winter meetings. You know, again, some guys start going, start signing, and that kind of leads to to I think. You know, everybody getting a little more, like uh, a little more, a little more realistic, and kind of understanding what's what's out there and what's available. So we've reached out. I think you know, you mentioned uh, two or three of those names. We've reached out on everybody, just trying to get a sense. We have interest in bringing back, uh, you know, a large portion of the group that that was with us last year. Um, but you know, I think again, just trying to get a sense right now of exactly where everybody's at, and those players have the opportunity to be on the open market and talk to all 30 teams. So we'll see, uh, we'll see where it goes. But yeah, we've we've reached out. Pretty much all of our free agents, I think everybody, and uh, yeah, to different degrees of you know of kind of where we're at and where they're at in the process, just trying to trying to uh, trying to go from there. Here was AJ Preller on if the Padres have had any conversations with players like Jay Cronenworth and Hassan Kim on what signing another shortstop could mean for their positions. No, we haven't haven't we haven't had those conversations because again, like I, I think the conversations like with uh, you know I think in general with with you know from a position standpoint and you know I think it's when we at least the, the position we're looking at is you know when you get to a spot where hey this is this is going to happen or this is something that we feel really really strong could happen. I think that's when that's when we looked at it like hey we're going to have that conversation. We never we never got to, to get to that point in the last uh, in the last few days. And one more from A.J. Preller. This was an answer that had some insight on what the Padres are focused on right now. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, like, um, you know, I think from, from our standpoint, like, try to try to look at each situation and each player and kind of see what that fit is. I think the, you know, we've talked about adding another position player. I think the natural fit is probably a corner bat. I don't think anything's changed there, really. Um, you know, and, you know, we again, like, talked about like our roster gives us some different some different flexibility and some different possibilities but um you know because we have athletic players that can that can play multiple spots um but I think you know most of the focus for us has been on you know probably a corner bat that that complements and and you know fits pretty well with our team right now like I said earlier today I caught up with Padres radio voice Jesse Ackler here at the winter meetings here was our conversation I am here with the radio voice of the Padres. Great to see Jesse Agler. Jesse, hope it's been a terrific offseason so far. Let's start with the event that is the winter meetings. Your impressions of what this is every year? It's uh, it's a little bit of a show, right? I mean, it's uh, 
it's, I don't know that it's like the most productive thing in the world for people like you and I outside of getting an interview or you know, catching up with old friends. Um, but from a baseball perspective, things are happening, man. It's fun. Uh, obviously got some big signings today around baseball. That's the sort of thing that takes place. It's already been a busy day. Like you said, Justin Verlander off the board, Trey Turner going to the Phillies, somebody the Padres were rumored to have met with. Let's start with that. There have been the rumors swirling about possibly Turner, possibly Xander Bogarts. When you heard the Padres were maybe interested talking to players like that that would require contracts that they would, what was your initial reaction? Uh, why not? You know, I mean, that's... Um that's the amazing thing about this era of Padre baseball is like, on paper, those things don't necessarily make sense. You would love to do it, right? Um, and, and I think for most teams, probably 27, 28 other teams, if they were in the Padre position, they wouldn't consider it. Um, but when you have Peter Seidler as your owner, when you got A.J. Preller as your general manager, it really does feel like everything is possible. And that is what is so remarkable about um, Padre baseball right now is that, you know, those aren't necessarily like needs to be filled right on the infield like you kind of could figure it out a bunch of different ways and to be able to kind of be in on guys like that with the roster that they have with the payroll that they have I mean it shows you the absolute sincerity of uh, Padre ownership and management and what they're trying to accomplish here and even though it didn't work out you know for Trey Turner again I think it's a, it's a pretty good sign that we are living in the uh, golden years of Padre baseball. Yeah, It's something that we talked a lot about during the season and we're still talking about during the offseason whenever you mention one of these shortstops one of the immediate questions is always okay well what does that mean for everybody else including Fernando Tatis Jr. including Jake Cronenworth including for Hassan Kim are you in the camp where it's, if you can acquire that kind of talent, you do it and you worry about the rest later? Yeah, I think so. You know, you figure out where everything fits. Um, you go into spring training, maybe even with a couple of questions. That's okay. Um, you, you experiment. You try different things out. You have different conversations with different guys. See what they're comfortable with. See what they're not comfortable with. Um, but I think, you know, most athletes, most professionals, right? They want to win. The guys the Padres have in particular, they want to win. They want the ring. And so if you said, hey, it might have to shift you a little bit to a different spot because we think that gives us the best chance to win, who's going to say no to that? You know, nobody you want around is going to say no to that. Um, and, and so I think, yeah, I'm of the camp, get as much talent in there as possible. Now, you can't have too many redundancies um, because then you, I guess, at some point do run into a logistical issue, but you're nowhere near that being the case with the Padres. And so, yeah, you throw everybody in the hopper and you figure it out. I want to live in a world where there is no signing of a big-time shortstop because there were a few major areas of need for the Padres entering this winter meetings, starting pitching in the back end, a first-base DH spot, left field. Out of those three groups entering this winter meetings, which was the most important to you? I mean, it's always starting pitching for me. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's funny because I could give 100 interviews to 100 different outlets 100 different times of year, and they'll say, what's at the top of your list? And I will always say starting pitching, and I think you saw it in the playoffs. You know, I think both the Padres and the Phillies would have benefited in that NLCS from one more healthy, reliable starting pitcher. Um, and you didn't have that, and that's okay. You, you kind of worked out you know, what, what you had, and you did the bullpen game. Um, but uh, it's such a long season. There's so much that happens. There are so many health things that pop up. There are so many surprises that pop up. It will always, always, forever, uh, to me, be about starting pitching. Out of those second-tier guys, Chris Bassett, Jamison Tyon, a couple of other names in there as well, is there a name that you're intrigued by? I, I all, You know, all of them. I mean, I, I would dig into some numbers, right, if, and I don't have my uh, computer in front of me, obviously. 
I, I would say whose who's durability factor is highest? You know, that'd probably be the first thing I looked at because I think in terms of ability, talent, all that kind of thing, it's, it's pretty even. You know, those guys you mentioned, there's a couple more names to throw in there probably. But, you know, all right, when it comes to innings pitch, I'm not asking for 200 or 220 anymore, but who's, who's most likely to be able to give me 180 in the regular season? Um, and and that's, that's probably where I would look at for that. Uh, again, there's just so much that pops up over the long season. I want starting pitching and, if possible, durable starting pitching. Yeah, it seems like the ability to post up, the ability to play every day, start every fifth day, like that's as big a part of all this as any. That's part of the reason why I think a lot of us felt like Jose Abreu would have been a good fit the numbers, but also the fact that he stays healthy. So should be really interesting. Before I let you go, all right, it's December. What is today? December 5th? I think it's December 5th. Okay. What does Jesse Agler do from late October until December 5th? Uh, rest and recover a little bit. Usually until Thanksgiving, I'm kind of in like a postseason haze. You know, I'm sort of wandering around, like just exhausted, obviously hanging out with my family who I don't see much during the season um, and, and just trying to recuperate and, and normalize and all that kind of thing. And then um, after Thanksgiving, I'm kind of like, all right, when's baseball start? I get ready for it. I start making notes. Um, I'm already kind of putting things together for spring training. And, and so that's where I'm at. But a lot of quality time with the family, kind of reintroducing myself to my kids, as I like to say. And, um, yeah, just, just trying to be a better dad and that kind of thing around the house. But um, very ready for baseball. All right. Hopefully some new names to put on that list and prep for. Jesse, as always, thanks so much. Great to see you. You too, Sam. Thanks. Finally, here's my conversation with Astros TV analyst Jeff Blum. I should mention we recorded this in the short window between Justin Verlander reportedly going to the Mets and Trey Turner reportedly signing with the Phillies. So we didn't know yet that Turner was going to the Phillies. Here was that conversation. I'm here with Astros TV broadcaster Jeff Blum here at the winter meetings in San Diego. Jeff does a great job on the TV side of things for the Astros, uh, working alongside Todd Callis, Julian Morales. Uh, enjoy watching them for a long time and uh, met Jeff all the way back when I was with the Corpus Christi Hooks at Double uh, A. Jeff, let's start with the big news. Justin Verlander signing with the Mets, reportedly a two-year deal, upwards of $80 million. This is a guy that you know really well from his time in Houston. Your initial reaction to that news? Uh, not surprised. Good to be on with you. I appreciate all the kind accolades, and congratulations to you getting out west. But, yeah, uh, Justin Verlander is definitely one of those guys who's kind of earned that contract. We were kind of curious back in Houston what that contract was going to look like. I know that Jim Crane has a good relationship with Justin Verlander, and they've had conversations. But, you know, I, the player side of me was I'm elated for him because I want these players to go out and get as much money as they can. It's just unfortunate it's not with the Houston Astros, who obviously had limitations with their contract and the CBT, and they allowed him to walk a little bit. But I think a lot of it has to do with the ability of Justin Verlander to go pitch, earn the contract. But at the same time, the Astros organization understands they have six guys that they can work with inside that rotation and actually get away with letting Justin go. It would have been great to have him back, but at the same time, when you got Fromber, Lance McCullers Jr., Jose Arquiti, Christian Javier, Luis Garcia, and Hunter Brown waiting in the wings, you've got a pretty, pretty good leverage in the sense that you don't have to go out there and pay $43 million to have a guy in your rotation. I want to talk a little bit more about the Astros, their rotation, their depth, what they've done here the last five, six, seven years in a second, but first, with Verlander. It'll be Verlander, Max Scherzer, two older pitchers leading that rotation. What do you think about that as far as the Mets relying on on two older veteran while they're they're still both really good and they performed last year at an extremely high level, but a team that has World Series aspirations relying on two veteran type pitchers like that? 
And, and maybe that's what it is. You've got veteran guys, you know, in 2019, Scherzer beat the Astros in the World Series, and then you have Justin Verlander with his uh, pedigree in the postseason. Granted, it, he got his first World Series win in 2022, but at the same time, you're thinking about guys who can get through a 162-game season, guys that can give you 30 to 35 starts and pitch at an elite level, and those guys have proven themselves to be able to go out there and do that, and you've got two freaks. These guys are unbelievable as far as work ethic is concerned. They're unbelievable as far as the preparation that they do to get on the field, and then they're unbelievable at execution. Watching Justin Verlander over the last five or six years on how he's been able to adapt to the new school, the idea of the analytics, how that's made him better, his preparation and working with Josh Miller, Dusty Baker, and some of these guys getting ready for these games, I think, uh, you know, will will carry a lot of weight. But at the same time, I think that using veterans like that, it might be the idea in New York. DeGrom at five years or Justin Verlander at two years, it might be cost beneficial to have a guy like Verlander with a proven track record uh, of staying healthy that, to go out there and do that. Because you know as well as I do, if Scherzer and, and Verlander are healthy, they're going to give you a strong 30 to 35 starts and be elite. And my goodness, that contract that Jacob DeGrom got. Very, very <laughs> impressive. Again, we're joined by Jeff Blum right now, a TV analyst for the Houston Astros. You mentioned some of the names in the starting rotation for the Astros, and it has been remarkable to watch what they've done. Guys like Springer, guys like Correa leave, and other guys step right in. A Jeremy Pena, some of the outfielders, guys like Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker. I mean, this team, this organization does not miss a beat. It's remarkable. And now it seems like they're sort of betting it's going to go that way in the starting rotation as yeah. well with, with letting Verlander go. Yeah, if you're if you're basing it on track record, you're saying, yeah, why not? We can afford to let Justin Verlander go because of the cost of the contract and then who we have waiting in the wings. And like I just said, you've got Fromber at the top making an all-star game. Lance McCullers an all-star. He's going to get back to health. And then you have all these international guys that were picked up by Oz Ocampo who left the organization to go be uh, assistant GM in Miami. And he has left a legacy himself with Jose Urquidy, Luis Garcia, Christian Javier. And like the guy you're talking about, the potential to have a guy like Hunter Brown waiting to be inserted into that rotation is unbelievable to me. He's a, he's a high-velocity guy, 100-plus miles an hour at times. He's got a turbo slider. But the fact that they are able to develop these guys in the minor leagues what sh kind of shocks me a little bit because we watch them move through the system. But to have a, an organization that has an idea of what guys they want in their organization and then prepare them to come and contribute at the big league level is something that I think separates the Astros from a lot of other organizations. What do you think other organizations, and, and you touched on it there, but what do you think other organizations can learn from the way the Astros have conducted business in the sense of developing players now starting yeah. to, and they have spent money, but continuing to spend money because you look at the Abreu contract going three yeah. years, 60 million. It, it's, it's pretty impressive the way they've done things both in their farm system, development-wise, analytics-wise, and, and now investing in free agency as well. What can other organizations take? Well, it's pretty incredible to watch the way the Astros have drafted over the years because there was that time where, you know, you stay with the process, trust the process. Uh, Jeff Luna and his group did a great job of drafting and then procuring a talent via trade, picking up guys on waivers. But there's definitely an idea of what they want in their organization. For pitching, it's high, high velocity, high spin. Not necessarily max effort guys, but guys that are able to manip manipulate the baseball. And then on the other side, you have young players that they find a way to develop who have a keen eye at the plate, can command the strike zone, can narrow down on chasing outside the zone, forcing pitchers back in the zone, and then maximizing the opportunity with strikes in the zone. But at the same time, having 
having that high slug, high on base percentage. And they've developed a way to go out and find guys that buy into that idea, and then they found guys that are able to execute it. And I think that's what you're trying to replicate. But at the same time, when you don't have that internally, they do have the resources and obviously an owner and owner in Jim Crane who's willing to spend the money to find a guy to plug into that. I want to put a little Padres twist on things because yeah. reportedly there's some interest the Padres have in Yuli Goriel, who's yeah. been in Houston a long time. Little bit of an older player, maybe it's something like a one, two year deal for Yuli, veteran who's won with the Astros. Your thoughts on Goriel and where he's at at this point in his career? I am a huge Yuli Gurriel fan. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Cuban players just because of the adversity they've had to gone through, go through to get to this level and play here in the States. And Yuli Gurriel is one of those guys that's just been an absolutely positive uh, resource and influence in that clubhouse for the Houston Astros. One of the things I loved about Yuli is the first year he came over, he was exhausted. He's never played 160 games in a year and, and was kind of petered out towards the end of that season, but worked his tail off, lost some weight, got stronger, and became that first baseman. And you got to remember, he's also a guy that kind of took a little bit of a humble pie moving from third base to first base when Alex Bregman came up and became a gold glove first baseman. So his ability to work, his ability to adapt is what makes him good. His swing's one of the best swings I've seen in baseball, one of those true inside-out swings that stays up the middle, drives in a lot of runs. And you put a guy like that in Petco Park, he already has 30 to 40 doubles in him every single year. And you put him in a place like Petco Park, maybe that turns into 40 or 50 because there is that space. He may not have the power, but he still has the ability to drive in runs, put together great at-bats, and his first base play is, is unrivaled. His ability to pick the ball, he makes he makes your defense better all the way around the diamond with his ability to scoop at first base. And the only the only down part about Yuli is that, that age number. And if that is a factor, maybe it plays in, but maybe it doesn't. But he's a great influence to have in that clubhouse. I love him. The, the main storyline for the Padres, I guess, right now is the idea that they actually could land one of these big free agent shortstops, yeah. whether it's a Bogarts or whether it's a Turner. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that when you hear the Padres, who have Tatis, who have Soto, who have Manny, who have some big contracts? Mm -hmm. What's your reaction to the idea that A.J. Preller could do something like that? And I guess for a team, like, how do you fit those pieces together? How big of a deal would it be for Fernando Tatis Jr.? to go to the outfield. How do you view that as a player? Well, first of all, you know, being an alumni of the Padres organization and my affinity for the city, the fan base, and the organization, it's a lot of fun for me to watch them from afar and see them try and produce a quality product out there. Granted, the NL West is tough. You've got to pay to compete. And they're doing a very good job. So I appreciate A.J. Preller, you know, making that a point to go out there and, and make some guys, a, you know, an opportunity here in San Diego where the only show in town is the San Diego Padres. But I do believe that, and it's, it's hard to believe, and it's kind of crazy to think about, that they still have the money to go out there and land a Turner, a Carlos Correa, Xander Bogart, and, and really make them a better ball club and protect Fernando Tatis. Because I think that's the idea is how do, you, how do you find a place to protect a talent like that? Because you and I both know that it's the investment you have in a guy, but it's also the return. You... You have him on the field, you have a better team, and he is going to put up magnificent numbers. It's just a matter of how do you keep him healthy and keep him, give him the opportunity to do that. Maybe it's in the outfield, center field, left field, protect him a little bit. But anytime you have the opportunity and the resources to go do that, why not? So I think it's great, but it's just a matter, like you said, Bo Mel is one of the best. So if you're going to put superstars in a clubhouse, what better guy to have at the helm to try and have them integrate with each other and play hard? The idea of Tatis going to the outfield, he's 23 years old. Obviously, he's had a, a tumultuous year uh, with the injuries, the suspension, things like that. But from the player perspective, when you're that age and you have that kind of talent, 
Do you think for somebody like him, it, it's if he ends up playing the outfield, that will be a difficult transition, an easy transition? What do you think about that? Um, I was always a guy that would rather have the ball on the ground than any there, but I didn't have the talent level that Fernando Tatis Jr. does. And uh, I think his ability to adapt should be easy because he's one of those hyper-athletic type guys. It would just be, a, for the most part, as a player, it's adjusting to the ball off the bat. In the infield, you're creating different angles. You're seeing the ball down instead of up. Uh, you're further away from the baseball. So it's just going to take repetition. I think he's a good enough athlete to be able to make that adjustment. And it's going to be a lot of fun, actually. If you do give him the space like at Petco Park to really chase down and exploit some of these skills that he has as far as speed is going to be remarkable. So I, I have no doubt that he's going to be able to do it. But at the same time, it's it's going to be on the coaching staff to convince him that this is a good move and accept it as a challenge to go out there and say, yes, you are an all-star shortstop. You've garnered the contract you have right now at shortstop. But let's go out in center field and see if you can't do that and protect you a little bit. I think it's a great point. I keep saying, like, yes, he's, he's an outstanding shortstop, the range he has, the plays he can make. But he's at the age and the talent level where he can figure out going to, to the <laughs> yeah. outfield, right? I mean, yeah. I, that's what I keep saying to myself. Like, if he goes out there and he really works at it, he'll be successful at it. Jeff, when you played here at the Padres, I mean, what, what did you appreciate most about uh, being here and, and being in San Diego? Uh, I, I, I just loved the culture that we had. Obviously, I played under Bruce Bochy and then eventually Bud Black my last year, year here. But a lot of, I took a lot of pride in the sense that in 05, they won the National League West. In 06, I came back from the Chicago White Sox, and we continued to win the National League West. 07, obviously, we're still waiting for Matt Holliday to touch home plate in that play that we had in the game 163. But everything I had here was hyper-competitive. Kevin Towers put together a great group of guys. We had some salty veteran guys. You know, I got a chance to play with Mike Cameron, Trevor Hoffman, you know, Jake Peavy's winning Cy Young. So it was a lot of fun with a great ball club that we had. But the energy that was produced at, you know, being at Petco Park and for the first time providing that winning atmosphere in that stadium was a lot of fun to watch. And obviously being a SoCal kid, playing, you know, near home uh, meant a lot to me emotionally and it meant a lot to me as far as my family was concerned. So I have nothing but great memories and much, so much appreciation for the way the organization and the fan base treated me. But it's always good to get back here. I think we're still wondering if Matt Holiday did yeah. indeed <laughs> touch home plate. Jeff, this was great. I know you got uh, got a lot going on, so appreciate you taking the time. Like I said, you do a terrific job with the Astros. When I was with the Hooks, we would watch you <laughs> all the time and uh, listen to Robert Ford, Steve Sparks on the radio as well. Thanks so much. Should be a, a fun few days here. Appreciate the time. No, always appreciate the time. Good to reconnect. Thank you. That does it for Inside San Diego Baseball here on this Monday at the Winter Meetings. I hope to do something similar tomorrow where I gather audio, have conversations, and post it in the evening. So stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening. As always, subscribe, leave us a rating, five stars, hopefully, and a review. Really appreciate all the support uh, for the podcast so far. And I can't wait to bring you more coverage from the 2022 MLB Winter Meetings right here in San Diego. Have a great rest of your Monday night. Have a terrific start to your Tuesday, and I will talk to you tomorrow.